something I've learned more recently about behavior both in human-human interaction and human-robot interaction is that part of rapport building is being predictable. Justine Cassell is a professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Human-Computer Interaction Institute, and she said it was a graduate student's research that led to this observation. People come into an interaction with a set of expectations, and adhering to those expectations, whatever they are, increases their felt rapport. So here's the interesting thing. The discovery has not only helped Cassell become a better teacher, it's also helped her to build better robots, machines that are reliable, predictable, transparent, even admitting when they've hit their programming wall. So they'll say to the user, I'm going to make sure that my developers pay more attention to this skill when they do the next revision of my software. And people love that. They really respond positively to a robot that expresses its limitations. And that's reliability. This is Schooled in AI, a search CIO podcast about artificial intelligence and academia. In this series, professors at Carnegie Mellon University's School of Computer Science talk about the cutting-edge AI technology they're working on and how CIOs can prepare for the future of AI in the enterprise. Okay, so in this episode of Schooled in AI, we're going to talk about something a little different. We're going to talk about social awareness and artificial intelligence and why things like trust and reliability and even small talk are important components to consider when building what Cassell calls virtual humans or what's more commonly referred to these days as virtual digital assistants. Cassell's virtual humans, they're designed to help. They're designed to teach. They're maybe even designed to act as colleagues. That's still to be seen. And while they don't look like it in appearance, the UI for Cassell's virtual human is often a little cartoony and that's, that's intentional, they're arguably more human than the current crop of digital assistants out there. The Cortanas, the Alexas, the Series, these applications are good at telling you what the weather is like today or how to get from point A to point B, but they have no social skills. They don't consider things like body language or eye gaze. They can't tell the difference between Uh, frustration and excitement. Cassell's virtual humans, on the other hand, they are trained to read between the lines, to to reason when an an insult, for example, is a gentle tease and not a put down, and they respond accordingly. These virtual humans, they are modeled on human behavior, and, and they use social awareness to build connections, to establish rapport with the people they're working with. I try in my work to find aspects of human interaction that really in some way define what it means to be human and yet have been to date ignored by the human-computer interaction community. So that's been the case with social language. So one of the first virtual humans that Cassell built, and this was with the help of a PhD student, was a virtual real estate agent. The the work was based on intensive study of an actual realtor, a human version, and the objective was to observe and document how a real estate agent builds trust with her clients, and then to take those trust-building behaviors and to build them into a virtual agent. After roughly six months of study of a real estate agent, and then just to give us a, a kind of a balanced view, also eyeglass salesmen who sell to optometrists, We discovered that small talk, the the little social talk that we 
engage in every day with people we know or don't know very well can be predicted. So this is an important finding because social interactions can establish connections between people that influence how work gets done. Human-human social interaction greases the wheels of task interaction. It facilitates the work we do with other people. So they built a kind of small talk feature into their virtual agent, and they discovered that clients, especially those who are extroverted, they responded to this. They felt like the agent knew them better. They felt like the transaction was a smoother process than when dealing with a virtual agent who didn't participate in small talk. And that was the kind of effect that sent me off on the path of looking at other aspects of human social interaction and thinking through how to best use them in a human-computer interaction. Cassell's more recent iterations of virtual humans include an algebra tutor and a virtual personal assistant. And like the real estate agent, the work that goes into building a virtual human, it doesn't start with technology. It starts with people. My work always starts with human-human interaction. So we're talking thousands of hours of conversations between two people that are video recorded or audio recorded and then annotated in one thirtieth of a second slices. What I mean by that is we had to transcribe the words and the gestures and the eye gaze and the head nods, everything we were interested in, into text. And then we had to go through and mark the places that we thought were important. Things like small talk and praise or something called negative self-disclosures, which teenagers are prone to use and when so they used say correctly like, oh, can build rapport don't worry, between two people. I suck at math too. And that's a negative self-disclosure. It discloses something about oneself that's negative. So initially she hired undergraduates and she hired research assistants to annotate these videos and audio recordings. More recently, I use... Um, Micro workers, uh, such as mechanical Turk workers, people online whom I'm never going to meet and who will do small pieces of work for small sums of money. And in the past, she would translate all of these annotations into hard code for the robot. So she would, for example, write a rule that when rapport is low, the algebra tutor should engage in negative self-disclosure. These days, however, I use machine learning and increasingly deep learning on the human-human data to automatically choose where negative self-disclosure should be performed. The machine learning technologies include dialogue systems as well as deep neural networks, which are used to understand the context in which a behavior occurs. An example of this type of network is long short-term memory, or LSTM. So something called LSTM, for example, looks at the context in which negative self-disclosure occurs and keeps that context in mind when making the robot perform a similar behavior. Cassell said machine learning is a double-edged sword in her field of research. So on on the positive side, it can uncover rules at a much more granular level automatically, and these rules are often more concrete than anything she could have written by hand. But there are drawbacks, too. One is you need an awful lot of data 
to get a stable and reliable machine learning rule. The data that Cassell uses to train machine learning models, this stuff isn't easy to come by. Hours and hours of audio and video recorded conversations still need to be annotated by humans. And that's a time-consuming, laborious task, even with an army of microworkers at your disposal. It's a challenge that my students and I face every day. The second drawback is the so-called black box. So with machine learning models, the input and the output are known, but how the model arrives at the output, what data it weights, what data it ignores, that's not known. Sometimes when I look at the errors that the system has made, when it says something really outrageous, something that really doesn't make sense in the context, I look at the nature of that error and find out that the machine learning paid attention to something that I know to be irrelevant. Perhaps it always performs a negative self-disclosure after a cough because one of the teenagers happened to have the flu. Now, that's not a good rule, but there's no way to get that out of the machine learning for the moment. Cassell and her team are trying to find a way to crack open that black box at least a little and create a kind of human machine learning cycle where machine learning models benefit from human expertise and where human expertise benefits from machine learning models. I want the goal of my research to teach us things that can help psychiatrists, that can help real estate agents, that especially can help teachers and tutors in the classroom. And with machine learning, there's really no way to help people because since that machine learning algorithm is a black box, I don't know why those rules have been chosen and what the rules really are. And so I can't teach them to people to use with other people. One of the ways she's doing this is by building theories of human behavior and conversational strategies into the process, to essentially use these theories and strategies as a way of filtering recommendations. And that has required Cassell to, and these are her words, build a social awareness system that can understand language, recognize the kinds of behaviors that build rapport, reason about what an appropriate response would be, generate the response, and then speak it using speech synthesis. And that's quite a task. It's an end-to-end dialogue system which means that it has a bunch of modules. And we've built three modules that have never been built before and added them to a fairly classic dialogue system. And by the way, when I say dialogue system, I mean also the kind of thing that you talk to when you call United Airlines that understands what you say, it reasons about what you want, and it responds appropriately. The first module is a conversational strategy classifier. That means it listens to what the person said and what they've done with their nonverbal behavior, because it turns out that helps. It even listens for the quality of a person's voice. Is the person talking loudly? Is the person talking softly? And it uses machine learning to automatically detect which kind of conversational strategy the human has uttered. Are they self-disclosing? Are they praising? Are they violating social norms? And so forth. It sends that information to a second module, a rapport estimator. And this module uses something called temporal association rules. That's a kind of machine learning rule 
that can predict the outcome of a series of events with a temporal relationship amongst those events. Let's take the algebra tutor, for example. If a student violates social norms, teases the tutor, and then smiles, and the tutor also smiles, rapport will be high. When the 2T violates social norms and smiles, and the tutor does not smile, but interrupts to keep speaking about the task at hand, rapport will be low. Isn't that cool? Now, the third model is a social reasoner. And this module takes input from the conversational strategy classifier, which tells it what strategy the person was using. And it takes information from the rapport estimator, and it ranks the level of rapport on a scale from 1 to 7. Now, rapport always goes up if you use the same strategy as the other person, as the person. That's called reciprocity. And reciprocity always raises rapport, or usually raises rapport. So the reasoner might think, hmm, in the absence of any other data, reciprocity would be good. So if the human self-disclosed, I'll self-disclose. And that actually turns out to be a good way to raise rapport. Or the system might notice that in spite of the high number of negative self-disclosures that are happening, rapport is still low, and it might need to change its tactic. And so the social reasoner is going back and forth amongst those different strategies and finally settles on one, perhaps praise. And it's using a kind of machine learning, a kind of net, a neural network called a spreading activation network to choose amongst those strategies. That's then sent to the natural language generation part of the dialogue system, which generates some kind of praise. And then, and this is critical. The cycle repeats itself. So as the robot interacts with different people, the conversations are captured and studied to see if rapport was built, and those conversations are then annotated and fed back into the system. And if rapport was built, Cassell and her team want to know if task performance also improved. Now, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but we're collecting data on this right now, and it does look as if we may have found... that when rapport rises over the course of an interaction, that in the tutoring case, the student learns more than when rapport doesn't rise. And so we go back to the start and we say, okay, we've got some good data here, but we've got some other places where some things aren't working. Let's go back and revise this. And then we go round and round, or as I say, we rinse and repeat. The next time on Schooled in AI. Some of the things that that I'm really interested in um, going forward are things like how can um, how can robots learn how to do tasks just from watching uh, people do a task. I'll be talking to CMU's David Held about the advances he's making in robotics and task manipulation.